I love what we're thinking about this season. When we think about what does it mean to be Easter people, live in the spirit of the resurrected Christ, we need to ask the question, how do we not hurry? How do we not get distracted so that we forget the fact that Christ is with us? So to help us think about this, we're looking at a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, written by a man named John Mark Comer. He's a pastor, shares some of his life experiences and lessons. Wonderful book, chock full of wisdom. Urge everyone to get a copy and read this. You'll want this in your library. If you'd like to buy it, it's in our, it's in our bookstore. You can get it online, but it's a powerful, profound book. And in there, we've talked about how do we, how, how do we eliminate hurry from our lives? Remember, we began last week by looking at the power of Jesus' life, and that is his times of silence and solitude. And then today, we're looking about the power of Sabbath. And I have to say, on this day in which we honor mothers and grandmothers and aunts and wonderful role models, as Todd shared with us, I think mothers and Sabbath go hand in hand. In fact, they're intertwined for us. And so I think it's a wonderful way for us to consider this because most of us have been guided by the values and the belief system of our mothers that shape us. What they taught us is ever with us. And even when our mothers are in heaven, we remember those values, those things that were important that continue to shape us. So as we think about this, uh, you've heard this before, but there's a wonderful list of famous people in history and imagined advice that their mothers gave them. So let's think about some mother's advice to some of these famous people in history. Todd is shaking his head. Here's the first. Remember Paul Revere. And this is what Paul Revere's mother would have said to him. I don't care where you think you have to go, young man. Midnight is past your curfew. (laughs) And the next one is Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa's mother would say to her, after all that money your father and I spent on braces, Mona, is that the biggest smile you could give us? And then Christopher Columbus's mother, I don't care what you've discovered, Christopher, you still could have written. Okay, here's Michelangelo's mother. Look, Mikey, why can't you paint on the walls like the other children? Do you have any idea how hard it is to get that stuff off the ceiling? Then Albert Einstein's mother, but Albert, it's your senior picture. Can't you do something about your hair? Styling gel, mousse, something. And then here's my favorite. We're gonna throw in a little Old Testament humor for Pastor Todd. Jonah's mother. That's a nice story, Jonah, but now tell me where you've really been for the last three days. Uh, I love that list because I love the wisdom of mothers because I have to tell you, that's the story of my life. My faith was guided by my mothers that introduced me to faith, that took me to church, that kept me in church, that led me into the ministry. And I am convinced uh, the love and reverence that I have for the Sabbath, I learned from my mothers. In fact, I was thinking back, my first memory ever of being in church, I was six years old, My parents were going to Louisiana Tech University. Um, They were going back to get education degrees. Uh, My dad worked three jobs. So on Sunday morning, he was working at a dairy. But mama took us to church, to the Trinity Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. And mama was 23 years old and she sang in the choir. So I remember she would put me, I was six, and my brother Bob on the first pew. 
and she could keep us in line by that look from the choir lot because I knew her eyes were ever on us sitting on that pew. My first memory of church. Um, and then I remember when I was in eighth grade, and I was probably not unlike a lot of eighth graders. We went to a time, we didn't want to go to church, we thought it was boring. So I remember one Sunday morning we got up and thought, let's take a family vote and decide whether we want to go to church today. Well, the vote was three to one not to go to church. My dad voted no, I voted no, my brother voted no. The only yes vote was my mother. Guess who went to church? Because <laughs> mama's vote was beyond all the rest of ours. And the truth is, my mom set the example for me about what Sabbath was all about. And when I was prone to wander and drift away, uh, my mother and my grandmother and my great-grandmother were very creative in their ways to kind of bring us back into the fold and not let us forget about the importance of Sabbath. Because the truth is, mothers instinctively get that if you and I are going to eliminate hurry, we're going to find the rhythm and the, the purposes of life that God has for us, it's essential that we focus on Sabbath. That Sabbath needs to be the centerpiece of our life, the centerpiece of the church's life and in our individual Christian walk and of our family's life together. So we're thinking about Sabbath. And as we think about that, let's go back to the beginning where we are introduced to the concept of Sabbath. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn now to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, <clears throat> and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. It's the picture of Sabbath. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. And because of that, what does he do? He blessed the seventh day. He hallowed the seventh day, which meant make it holy. It's different than all the rest of the days. And our business in honoring Sabbath, we get in verse 3. We are to rest but we are to remember what God did in creation and what God is continuing to do in creation. Rest and focus on God. It's the business of Sabbath. I remember the story, there were some Americans that went on an exploration trip to Africa. And when they were there, they hired some locals to be their guides. And they got busy on the, the first day, charging through the jungle, doing their experiments. Day two, they got up at dawn. They rushed through the day. They were busy, 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 all the things they were accomplishing. The same on day three, day four, day five, day six. But on day seven, the Americans got up at dawn. They were ready to go. And they went to their guides, and their guides were not up. They were quietly resting in their place where they were sleeping. And the Americans went and woke them up and said, guys, we got to get going. We're in a hurry. We have a lot to do today. And the leader of the guides turned to the Americans and said, no, no, we're not going to go today. Today we rest. Today we let our bodies catch up with our souls. That's what Sabbath is. It's a day to rest, a day to center on God, a day to let our bodies catch up with our souls. 
Now notice something that we often miss in our culture. Sabbath is not a day off. It's not a day for us not to work, but just to have fun doing what we want. Sabbath is not a day to have a brunch and then chase our hobbies and have fun all day. No, Sabbath, we must remember, is the Lord's day. If we don't focus on God, if we don't remember what God has done and what God is doing, we will never experience the power and the meaning of Sabbath. Sabbath is the Lord's day. In fact, I love, there's a Christian scholar named A.J. Swoboda, and he wrote something that haunts me. Listen to what he said about our culture. He said, the Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed success obsessed West. The result, our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath in their lives as a vital element of Christian discipleship. It's not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. And what happens when we don't give time to sit with God? We get exhausted. We get overworked. We are spiritually malnourished. That's why God gave us Sabbath. And we follow Sabbath not just because it's one of the Ten Commandments, but in Sabbath we experience God differently. We learn to walk with God every day. We find a new rhythm of life, learning that the Lord is with us wherever we go, whatever we face. Sabbath brings us back to that truth. In fact, I love our author, Mr. Comer, makes a really neat point. In his book, he has a chart, and he talks about restfulness versus relentlessness, always on the go, driving, charging. And Pastor Todd loves charts, so I know this warms the cockles of his heart. So let's look at the chart that you find in our book, and it's really true. What he said is we have two options. We can choose option A, and we can practice restfulness, or we can choose option B and be relentless, always charging, never resting. And look at the fruit that comes from that choice. Option A is about margin. B is busyness, slowness, hurry, quiet, noise, deep relationships, isolation, time alone, crowds, delight, distraction, enjoyment, envy, clarity, confusion, Gratitude, greed, contentment, discontentment, trust, worry, love, anger, angst, joy, melancholy, sadness. If we choose option A, restfulness, peace, versus B, relentlessness, anxiety, working from love, working for love, work to make a contribution to the world, or work to accumulate more and more and to have accomplishment. Now, the truth is, we read that list. And we all want rest. We all want option A. But the question is, how do we get there? And I submit to you the answer. We begin by taking Sabbath seriously. That we practice Sabbath. That we live and learn the lessons of Sabbath. And have a time in which we let our, our bodies catch up with our souls. which yet again just begs the question, how? How do we do that? How, how, do we, how do we make that happen? How do we let that happen? How do we 
How do we work our way or I don't know, maybe better yet, how do, we, how do we not work our way? How do we unwork our way in, in, into column A? Because I get it, it's hard. Man, it, it is so hard. It is so hard to detach. It is so hard for us to, to detox, to detox from, from our normal everyday patterns and behaviors, our, our, our routines and our rhythms and our ruts. It's so hard for us to detox from that, to detox from that, that, that typical hard-charging go-get-it-ness of ours. It's hard. But God knew, God knew it was important. God knew this was important. God knew us resting. God... God knew us remembering. He knew it was important. He knew it was important for, for our physical health and for our mental health. He knew they were important for our spiritual health. God knew that they were important. And that's, that's why that's got to be why he gave us that command. That's why God gave us those commandments about, uh, about Sabbath, about resting. Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. You find it all throughout the prophets. And notice it's... It's not a suggestion. It's not, it's not just a recommendation. It's not even a, a, a super popular trending life hack. It's nothing like that. God gives us this command. He gives us this, this order to, to rest. And I think, God, I think God knew that he was going to have to order us to do it. I think God knew that he was going to have to give us that command because I think God knew that, we, that we'd be resistant to it. I think God knew that he was going to have to command us to rest because God knew just how hard it was going to be. I mean, Bible, the Bible tells us that. The Bible shows that even right here, the Bible tells us that. It shows us that. It shows us that rest, ironically, rest requires an awful lot of hard work. It's right here. It's right here in these creation accounts. Go ahead, read them. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Read them. And you'll see it. You'll see that God is speaking all things into being. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Every day God's creating something. Every day God's creating multiple things. This thing and that thing. God's creating the the heavens and the earth. And God creates the skies and the waters. He creates the land. He creates the the, the sun and the moon and the stars. He creates light and darkness and, and the birds and the fish. God creates every day for each of those six days. God's creating, and then on the seventh day, God rests. God stops. And on that very first Sabbath, God rests. And, uh, and it's not like God got tuckered out or anything. It's not like God needed to break. The, the Bible tells us that, that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. God doesn't wear down. And yet still... God rested. On that very first Sabbath, God rested because God wanted, God needed to model something critical for us. So on that very first Sabbath, God rests. But but it's not like God wasn't doing anything on that day. As a matter of fact, God was doing hard work. On On that very first Sabbath, God actually created rest. Did you ever think about it? Like that before, God created rest. And here's the real kicker. Here's the real kicker. On all the other days, on all those six days, God's creating multiple things, right? This, that thing, and the other. But on the Sabbath, 
It took God an entire day. It took the Almighty one whole day to create this singular thing called rest. It's almost like the Bible is telling us that that rest, that real rest, is going to be the hardest thing that we ever try to produce. That, that sanctuary, that, that sacred space and time where, where, where our souls can catch up to our bodies. God created rest. On that very first Sabbath, God rested and he blessed the day. He blessed the day and, and he made it holy. God made it, God made it different. That's, that's, that's what holy means. God made it different. And, and that got me to thinking, it got me to wondering, it, it got me to worrying, actually, because I got convicted by that thought. I got convicted by the, by the wonder, I got convicted by the thought that I, I, I wonder if, if we have just a single day in our week that's actually different. Do I, do, do I have a singular day in my week that's different than, than all the rest of them? A day of singular focus, where all of the distractions, where they are, are ruthlessly eliminated. By command and by example, God tells us to rest. By command and by example, God commands us to rest. He, he tells us to stop. That's what Sabbath means. It means to stop. To stop from all of our working, to, to stop from all of our, our worrying, to stop. To stop from all of our fighting and all of our fidgeting and all of our frenzy, to stop. To stop with our comparing and our competing and our complaining. Just stop. you and I both know it's, it's not that easy. You and I both know it doesn't happen just like that. We know that stopping doesn't happen just like that. We know that Sabbath doesn't happen just like that. We know it takes work. We know that first we have to close the gates. If we're going to rest on Sabbath, we first have to close the gates. Let me tell you what I mean. There is a there is this awesome, there is this, this, this really gritty scene right at the end of the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was the guy, he was the guy that, that, that led the, the nation of Israel in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, he was the one that, that led the nation of Israel. He's the one that, that, that led them in restoring the nation and returning the nation to God. I mean, it was just, you read through the book of Nehemiah and it is miracle after miracle after miracle. But several years after all of that success, right towards the very end of the book, uh, Nehemiah is called away. He's, he's called, he has to go and visit with the king. But whenever Nehemiah gets back, whenever Nehemiah gets back to Jerusalem, he's heartbroken. When he gets back to his horror, he sees that, that these people, his people, they had forgotten everything that he had taught them to remember. Nehemiah, is, he's heartbroken because they've gone back to, to their old way of doing life, whenever he gets back, he sees that they're working and they're, they're buying and they're selling on the Sabbath. And so Nehemiah orders the guards to shut the gates of Jerusalem. He commands the guards to close the gates on the Sabbath. And I'm sorry that, that, 
that the type is so small, it really is a powerful story. Go back this, this week sometime, read Nehemiah chapter 13, and, and you'll see it. He gets back and he remonstrates the nobles of Judah. He, he, he rebukes the leaders. That's just fancy, that's fancy Bible talk, for he reads them the riot act. Nehemiah gets on to the leaders and he, threat, he threatens the vendors. If you do this again, I'm going to lay my hands on you. He rebukes the leaders, he threatens the vendors, and he has the gates shut. He orders the guards to close the gates on the Sabbath. He takes, he takes active steps, active steps to ensure the Sabbath. He takes active steps to honor the Sabbath. He takes active steps to protect the Sabbath. And I'm convinced that you and me, we're going to have to do the exact same thing. To take active steps to protect our Sabbath, to take active steps to protect God's Sabbath. To turn off our cell phones. <sighs> to go dark on social media for a while. Oh, I just don't know. To stop checking our email. That is, a that is a double ouch for me. Amen. You're going to do it? Okay. I do it always. You do it always, amen to that. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to take active steps, active steps to close the gates, to close the gates to every distraction, to every temptation, because this world certainly isn't going to help us out with it anymore. I mean, I, I, don't, I really don't think I'm that old, but even I remember a time growing up that on, on Sunday afternoons, we didn't really have much of a choice but to rest, because right? nothing else was open. No restaurants, no theaters, nor stores, everything was closed. Every, all we had was church. All we had was church and NASCAR. Um, <laughs> you and me, we're going to... We're going to have to make the choice. We're going to have to make the choice that doing life like this, we're going to have to make the choice that doing life this way, a different way, we're going to have to make the choice that doing life's God's way, and it's worth it. We're going to have to make a choice, a big life-changing choice, because not to make the choice, to, to not close the gates, to not honor the Sabbath, Friends, that's a choice too. Now, now, will it be hard? Yeah, yes, yes, it'll be hard. Will it take practice? Will Sabbath take practice? Absolutely, but it's worth it. Doing life differently, doing work differently, doing family differently, doing faith differently, it's worth it. We're going, to have to, we're going to have to make a choice. We're going to have to make the choice to start stopping. To stop. To close the gates. And to open the doors. To open the doors because the Sabbath is not just about what we don't do. In fact, the Sabbath is just as much about, in fact, it's actually more about what, more about what we do do. I mean, that was, that was always the Pharisees' problem with it. They always fell into, they fell into legalism because it always got preoccupied. They always got so busy with the Sabbath's prohibitions that, that they forgot its power. 
They missed its point. They missed the point of the Sabbath to connect us, to reconnect us, to, to reconnect us to God and, and to reconnect us with, with each other and to reconnect us with ourselves. They missed the point, and that's, that's why Jesus had to come along and, and to tell them, like, look, guys, we were not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for us. The Sabbath was never meant to tie us down. The Sabbath was, was meant to free us up, to, to rejuvenate us, to refresh us, to revive us, to restore us, to refocus us, to reconnect us. I'm sitting here right now, and I'm wondering, do you, by chance, do any of y'all remember? Y'all remember where you were May 1st, 1991? For those of you who, you know, were alive back then. You remember where you were May 1st, 1991? And I know it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a, an arbitrary sort of date. So let me give you a little context that might actually help you remember. Um, May 1st, 1991, that was the night that Nolan Ryan threw his seventh no-hitter. You remember now? You know where you were? I know where I was. My mom and my dad and my brother and me, we were all at that game. And it was, I'm here to tell you, it was the most boring thing I have ever been to. <laughs> that game was the most boring thing I've ever been to, except for the very ending. Right? Um, it was boring. Nothing was going on. Nothing was happening on the field. In fact, the most exciting thing that happened at that game, at least early on, the most exciting thing was when these two women who had kind of enjoyed themselves a little too much, they went all Nehemiah and got into a fist fight 12 rows behind us in the stands. That was the most exciting thing until, until like the sixth inning. Because in the sixth inning, this buzz started to grow in the stands. And all the people, we, we all started to... To get the sense, we started to get the sense that something, something special was happening there. And by the ninth inning, the stands were, were just jammed full and everyone was there. We were all there. We were all waiting. We were all waiting for, for nothing to happen. <laughs> we were waiting for nothing to happen because on that night, nothing, nothing was really something. Y'all remember where y'all were? Were any of y'all there? Any of y'all there? Yeah, a couple, yeah. Anyone in the choir? Yeah. Crazy enough, this man was there with us. Um, this man who had, who had changed my life. I went and meet you for 12 years until 12 years later. Um, but we were there. We were there. We were there and us and 43,000 of our closest friends. We were there and we shared that moment. We shared that experience. Friends, that's the invitation of Sabbath, to rest and to remember and to reconnect, to reconnect to, to our faith, to reconnect to our Lord, to reconnect to each other and to the power of shared experiences, to, to reconnect to the truth that, that sometimes that, that, that there are times when doing nothing actually is doing something. I mean, in, in this world where too often we just pass like ships in the night and homes and households of, of even just four or five or even three or two or one, 
And homes like that, 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 that have all the connectiveness of that stadium with 43,000 in a world where even the closest of friends sometimes can feel like complete strangers. Sabbath asks us, Sabbath begs us to stop and to share and to savor. It begs us to make it different, to make it different in a way that makes us different. But you see, that's, that's the only way. It's the only way that we will ever grow into the likeness of our Savior and, uh, and into, those people, uh, into those people that our moms already think that we are as we pray. Lord, um, to say we come to you and... and And God, the honest amongst us have to confess, Lord, we're tired. And even though you don't slumber nor sleep, Lord, some of us don't either. Our eyes may be closed, but we we toss and we tumble and we don't rest. Lord, we're exhausted. We're exhausted from all the game playing. We're exhausted from trying to manufacture things that we don't have a clue how to do. And yet we hear your call, we hear your invitation to peace, your, your invitation to rest. We hear your invitation to stop, to Sabbath. And we're scared. We're scared because so often we've, we've equated our work and what we do with who we are. Lord, free us up from that. Free us from everything that would bind us up, from the legalism that would trip us up. Lord, and free us. Free us to follow you. Free us to rest, to rejuvenate, to remember, to remember your mighty acts in creation, to remember your mighty acts in our own story, to remember the ways that you have been present, to the ways that you have provided, God, and let that bolster our faith. Let that bolster our trust, our willingness to take that first step, our willingness to take that next step following after you. God, we're tired, and so we pray you, the good shepherd, would come and pick us up and bring us back to the flock. God, nurture us with your tender love and care, with your presence, Lord. Heal us and help us. Help us to know what what gates to close, what doors to open. We just want to be faithful, Lord, and we want to be close to you and to each other. So come to us. Lord Jesus, come to us and take us and change us and use us. Lord, use us all and only for the glory of your name, because it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.